Hey there, Quackies. Before we begin, Day and I thought it'd be important to mention all the changes that have happened to this roster since we last talked to Hode, which was really not that long ago. But this post-spring game transfer portal madness has struck again. Two O-linemen, Ralph Frias and Danny Valenzuela, have transferred out, as has cornerback Tarek Luckett. And Hoda's also informed us that Austin Berry on the O-line, Matthew Pullamau, a defensive tackle, and defensive back Willie Hartz are still on the team but will not be playing this year. Gotta love the Wild West that is college football. On to the show. Quack, quack. Welcome to the Quack 12 Podcast, the most official, unofficial, Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Quack12Podcast or visit our website, Quack12Podcast.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us five stars on your listening device. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit the Quack12 Patreon page, where for a measly $5 a month, you can become an official Quacky and unlock hundreds of hours of Oregon Duck content. On to the show. Quack, quack. Quack 12 fans, we are so excited to once again be back with a roster review of a Pac-12 opponent. This time, uh, it's feeling a little familiar here, both because we, we have a guest that we've had the pleasure to talk to multiple years, really knows his stuff, but also because we're talking about a, a team who is now coached by our former OC, Kenny Dillingham. Could not be more excited uh, to see what they have in store and to see if they stick around the sinking ship that is the Pac-12. <laughs> but uh, before we get into that, I'd like to introduce, of course, the man who is helping us run through these rosters, the managing editor slash film reviewer over at Addicted to Quack. That is, of course, Hithliday. You can follow Hithliday at Hithliday1 on Twitter. Hithliday, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? I am doing good. I'm excited to talk about the Sun Devils. Uh, and so let us uh, goof around no further because we've got to introduce Hode Rubino. That is right. Hode Rubino of Devil's Digest. Follow him at Devil's Digest on Twitter or just go over to devilsdigest.com for all your Sun Devil needs. Hode, it's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, so thanks, thanks so much for having me on. We're just re- renewing this annual tradition, looks like. That's right. And, you know, some years have been more depressing than others. Uh, uh, but this season, you know, some have been just full of hype. And then we got to hit the brakes. This season seems uh, full of some possibilities. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, after a 3-9 and nine season, uh, the really the worst season in ASU football history, there's nowhere <laughs> to go but up. Uh, but uh, the, person, the person that's uh, at the helm right now, which you mentioned uh, earlier today, earlier today, and I know we're going to talk a lot about him just because of the obvious Oregon tie, uh, Kenny Dillingham, has definitely been a shot in the arm for this program. And uh, you already saw throughout spring practice uh, some of the flashes of how this program is going to look and feel different. What are results in terms of uh, wins and losses? Uh, time, time will tell, but uh, there's definitely a uh, wind of change in Tempe these days, that's for sure. Well, I'm always excited to talk about, and I'll say it, uh, this is my second favorite mascot, maybe period, in all of the college landscape, is, is, is the Sun Devil. 
He just looks <laughs> just an evil Walt Disney out there. I absolutely love it. Um, but Hithliday, I think we have more pressing things to talk about. Would you like to guide us through this roster? Uh, well, sure. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> quite a bit of turnover um, and pretty active, too. You know, the transfer portal window is still open until the 30th. Um, and uh, just like last year, right after the spring game, you know, some some guys hopped in, including one of the quarterbacks who played in the spring game, uh, Bennett Meredith. I think we saw four different quarterbacks in the spring game. Uh, Trenton Bourget, who's sort of the hero of last year, two different uh, or th- uh, quarterbacks who had transferred in, Drew Pine uh, from uh, uh, Notre Dame and Jacob Conover from BYU. We saw the true freshman, uh, Jaden Rashada, who had, uh, uh, whose recruitment was uh, filled with some drama. And then we saw Bennett Meredith, but then, you know, like I said, he tr- he transferred out. Emery Jones, uh, who got the start last year, uh, wound up transferring out of her basically Trenton Bourget took his job away. Paul Tyson, who transferred in from uh, Alabama, uh, left as well. Finn Collins left. Oliver Towns left. I think Daylon McLemore is still on the roster although i'm not sure i saw him during the spring game so you know this is you know i think you could describe it as a four-way race between borgay pine conover and rashada but it kind of looks to me like it's really just a two-man race um between borgay and pine i didn't think that conover looked ready to play and i didn't think that rashada looked ready to play what do you think about that assessment hode yeah, I think uh, in terms of uh, Borgay being the, the clubhouse leader to uh, reassume his uh, starting uh, quarterback duties, I, I think uh, that's uh, definitely the case. Um, I was privy to look at the uh, final stats from the spring. And even though uh, the staff did a great job, I feel uh, giving almost an identical number of snaps for both Borgay and Pine, uh, the uh, percentage of completions was really was really night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the numbers here in front of me, and uh, uh, Borgay uh, had a completion rate adjusted for drop passes of 78.8%, while Pine only had uh, 68.2%. So uh, that's uh, more than just a, a nominal difference uh, uh, between the two. And it's funny because uh, when I uh, did announce that Drew Pine was transferring from Notre Dame uh, to Arizona State, I had a bunch of Notre Dame fans uh, hitting me up and just telling me that uh, – He's the worst uh, signal caller in, in Irish history, <laughs> which uh, obviously there's some exaggeration over there. Uh, it's a long know. history, man. Uh, yeah, it is yeah, a long history, yeah. exactly. And plus, I mean, I, he went, I believe, eight and two as a starter for Notre Dame uh, last season. Uh, maybe didn't put up eye-popping stats, but uh, I think that uh, the harsh criticism uh, towards him uh, was uh, definitely uh, not warranted to some extent, but uh when I look specifically at Arizona State in the spring practice race between both of them, I would say Borgay is clearly ahead of Drew Pine. Uh, nobody hmm. should be surprised if Trent Borgay will be the starter in the when when the season does kick off, August thirty first, at home against Southern Utah. Uh, but uh, as far as Pine being a number two uh, quarterback, I think if you look at the landscape of the Pac twelve, you can do a whole lot worse. I think than somebody like Pine uh, definitely had an up and down. Uh, spring practice, and again, uh, the the numbers uh, do uh, do bear it out. So it is going to be Borgay um, o- over Pine when it's when it's all said and done. Um, do you, you mentioned the other quarterbacks? So I'll, I'll touch on them uh, lightly. Um, I, I felt that Ben Meredith, uh, who put himself uh, in the portal uh, yesterday, did actually have uh, a a pretty solid uh, spring practice, and it's uh, wouldn't be a surprise to me if he ended up on an FBS program. I'm not saying necessarily as a starter from day one. But somebody uh, who definitely could be the number two 
uh, back up at a lot of FPS programs um, out there. So I'm curious to see uh, what happens with him. But I just feel that ultimately the coaching staff communicated to him that uh, he's probably not going to beat Pine. And uh, a guy like Jaden Rashada, who was a four-star recruit out of high school, as you know, uh, committed uh, previously uh, to Florida, uh, got out of his uh, letter of intent uh, just because of the NIL deal that uh, blew up over there in Gainesville. Um, is also somebody that the coaching staff probably not so suddenly told Ben and Meredith that is probably going to surpass him also in the depth chart. So uh, Ben and Meredith uh, is seeking uh, greener pastures. Uh, whether Jaden Rashada is going to be the number two uh, quarterback in, in fall camp and when the season starts, uh, the time will tell. Um, I don't know if I'm putting great odds on that, but you know, I could also, also classify that as um, ultimately not being a surprise if it did take place. Uh, Jacob Conover from BYU uh, clearly struggled the most um, out of all the quarterbacks over there. The stats uh, that I received um, also do bear, bear that out. And um, as far as that, Dalen Mecklemore, um, he asked, he he didn't was not at spring practice uh, at all from day one. Uh, he's oh, really? really no longer with the team. I know that uh, he's still listed on the roster. I don't know why, but uh, he's uh, definitely not part of the team uh, moving forward. Oh man, Hood. I got to, you know, you're going to help have to help me out a lot here because the official (laughs) roster for, uh, I'm sure you have to deal with this, Yeah. but the official roster on ASU's website is a total mess. Like a lot of the numbers are straight up wrong. Um, There are guys listed who are not on the team. There are guys who are not listed who, who played during the spring game. Like it's a, it's a real mess and you're going to have to help me out a lot. Uh, Yeah, sure. No, no, um, absolutely. So you don't, you don't think that Dalen McLemore is actually with the team. No, no, I, okay. I know for a fact he's, a, he's not with the team. Okay. Um, I was told that best case scenario, because he's graduating in May, that uh, he may just, you know, still go through last one spring practice to help out the numbers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, that uh, did not happen. Uh, he did not. He was not at spring practice uh, from okay. day one. Uh, I mean, likely. it does make sense because he's sharing a number with Conover and it's like, well, exactly. what the hell? Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that's one mystery solved. There are about 40 yes. more to go. So <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Uh, all right. Um, well, good to know that, you, that, you, that, that you've got your opinion in, on Borgay over Pine. Um, I, that makes sense to me. Um, and I also share your opinion that like, hey, as as far as like if you have to go to your number two, Pine is a number two is probably the best, you know, that I can think of for a number two. Like, um, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, Rashad as a future plan, you know, looks pretty good to me, too. I, I'm actually be really, really happy with this quarterback room, um, right. you know, if I were an ASU fan. Um uh, all right, let's talk about the running backs. Um, so, uh, d- tremendous performance, you know, last year uh, out of Xavier and Valaday, uh, and and then also Daniel Nagata as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, really can't speak highly enough about it. I charted all of ASU's games. Their success rate was, you know, was excellent. It was almost 58% on a per play basis, which is pretty close to championship, you know, like national championship caliber. Like, unfortunately, both those guys have now left the program. Uh, I'm, I was kind of like confused about what I was seeing um, during the spring game because, you know, they got an FCS transfer, Cameron Scadaboo. I was seeing him a lot. I wasn't seeing DeCarlos Brooks, the transfer in from Cal. Um, mm-hmm. w- what was the story there? Uh, I was expecting to see him. Instead, I was seeing a, like a wide receiver who I think was like moonlighting as a, as a running back. What, what was up, uh, uh, Javen Jacobs? What was the story with that? Sure. Yeah. So long story short, uh, I would say with about uh, two, two and a half weeks uh, left uh, in spring practice, uh, two uh, 
uh, running backs. Uh, they're, they're definitely going to be in the mix uh, as far as the rotation. Uh, Te- um, Tevin White and uh, and uh, George Hart the uh, third were uh, were banged up. Uh, position oh, okay. coach John, position coach John Aguano, uh, said that uh, you know uh, that they, they were going to be held out of the rest of spring, even though Tevin White uh, towards the last week of spring was able to participate uh, somewhat, uh, really maybe in every segment, but uh, the, the the team segment. Uh, the Carlos Brooks, uh, there must have been some kind of minor injury that they held him out of precaution uh, out of the spring game. So basically, uh, yes, he only saw two uh, running backs uh, total mm-hmm. uh, in the in the spring game. Uh, Cam, Cam, Cam Scadabo from uh, Sacramento State, and uh, I know it, you know Sacramento State isn't exactly the Northwest, but maybe like the uh, southern tip of the of the <laughs> Northwest. So maybe some of your listeners are. Uh, well, it are, comes in with Bo Baldwin, right? Yeah. Um, no, actually, Bob Bobo actually uh, did, did coach at, at. Oh no, at he was Cal, Cal Poly. Poly, right? I'm sorry, yeah. I'm mixing him up with uh, with Troy Taylor. It's the, yeah. it's the Eastern Washington connection that's messing yeah. with me. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but but definitely, Bob Bob was definitely familiar with with Cam. Uh, yeah, no doubt, they had to play each other all the time. Ex- exactly. So uh, so that I mean, he was definitely Bob was Bob the offensive coordinator was definitely a an aspect that contributed to. Uh, Camp Skettable landing at, at Arizona State, but uh, he's uh, somebody who uh, was one of the best uh, running backs in the FCS, was uh, Offensive Player of the Year in the, in the Big Sky mm-hmm. Conference. Um, you know, somebody who's that uh, typical, maybe even old school uh, running back with a with, with a low low center of uh, gravity. Uh, you know, bowling yeah, he's bowl. listed at five ten, and I think that's a little generous. <laughs> yeah, you know? no, might, might be a little generous, but. But I think uh, what was been pleasantly surprising that, as much as um, you know, you can uh, people thought you could apply that uh, joke uh, that's uh, as, as old as time. You know, he's a running back that you know if you need three yards, he'll get to three yards. If you need ten yards, he'll get to three yards. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he's somebody that actually uh, did show surprisingly, if not deceivingly, athleticism in the open field. So when he had when he had, when he had to you know juke defenders and show some agility. To get to to get some extra yards, uh, you know, beyond, uh, you know, the the, the first two lines of defense, uh, he was able to do it uh, more often than not. So, um, I think that he he really showed a lot um, in the, the spring uh, game and the spring practice in general. Um, I don't know if I quite anoint him of being the starter just because I felt that uh, so because of injuries, we haven't really seen a complete picture yeah. of the running backs. But um, but Cam uh, as far as being one of the more notable newcomers in the Pac-12 uh, once the 2023 season starts, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, to, to, to see him up there. Yeah, um, yeah you know, Jeff and Jacobs, like I said, a, a converted uh, wide receiver, but somebody was really a, a, a Swiss Army knife uh, back in his days, uh, local over here in Scottsdale Sorara High School. So seem actually seem uh, you know do pretty well running back wasn't really a shocking surprise. Do you He's think he might those, that might be a permanent conversion into the running um, back room? You know, I think it would be not so much because I'm expecting the running backs that were held out to have um, health issues come August, but just because the wide receiver group, which we'll talk about, I'm sure later on in the podcast, is deep enough that yeah. I, th- I think Javen Jacobs, especially if you're uh, really projecting him as a slot wide receiver may be squeezed out because of the depth chart over mm-hmm. there. So him uh, beginning the season as running back uh, would not be a shocker. And I think he brings, uh, you know, definitely that, uh, you know, classic uh, third down running back element, um, you know, somebody who would do much better um, in off ta- off tackle runs and in, in open spaces 
rather than grinding, uh, you know, between the tackles and, yeah. and moving the chains and uh, and uh, short yardage uh, situations. But uh, DeCarlos Brooks from Cal is somebody who I think showed a lot in the spring and maybe uh, once those two other running backs, White and Hall, um, were held out, uh, had even more opportunity uh, to showcase his skills. I know he had a pretty quiet career in Berkeley, but uh, I think yeah, uh, somebody – yeah, that, that could that really could be a a good, a good depth player. I mean, it, you know, his his career for for the most part was under Bill Musgrave, and they had a particular <laughs> kind of of offense that they wanted to run, and and yeah. like I don't know, and behind an offensive line that I didn't really think much of. So like, you know, I've been watching DeCarlos books for a long time, um, and like I, I don't know, I'm I I I. I his numbers have never been super impressive, but at the same right. time, like I'm willing to reserve judgment and think like, you know, in a different offense, you know, I definitely think that Kenny Dillingham calls a, an offense that I'm willing to watch a lot more than I'm willing to watch Bill Musgrave's offense. <laughs> I guess I'll put it that way. Um, yeah. You know, I think he can be a good, a uh, uh, pretty good running back. Um, and then Tevin white, you know, is interesting. You know, he was like the third man as a true freshman in last year's, um, you know, room for Arizona state. He was a four star, um, yeah. but you know, he only got 14 carries so you know it's hard to you know make much of an inference about him um scatabo you know who knows like the only defenses we've ever seen him play are fcs defenses and then arizona states that was split in half and then had you know uh, well we're, we're going to talk about the defensive line in a minute so sure. like you know we're we're just going to have to see how he does you know uh, you know at the next level in in real you know fbs you know power five conditions you know I, this running back room is it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, it's going to be a real big transition for all of these guys, you know, Brooks going to a different offense, you know, Scadabo going to a, uh, you know, a, a different level of football, you know, white isn't a true freshman anymore. You know, uh, if it's uh, Jacobs, he's going to be going, to, you know, from a wide receiver. It's like every one of these guys is like doing something new now, you know? So like kind of who knows what this running back room is going to do. And they've got big shoes to fill in X validate who was like a 1200 yard running back and like maybe the best part of I, there's no maybe about it x validate was 100 percent the best part of arizona state's team last year so like it, it's a bunch of question marks with big shoes to fill so i will see yeah yeah and i was just also say about examining validate that uh, he proved uh with his uh, pro day numbers that was an absolute uh, travesty, and that might be too kind of a word to use. Yeah. That he was not invited uh, to to the NFL Combine. That's crazy. Uh, the, the numbers that he put up in Pro Day, uh, the vast majority of them were really top five among uh, among running backs in, in, in the NFL Combine. Uh, but you know, luckily Pro Day does give you that uh, second chance, and sometimes the only chance to really showcase uh, yourself uh, to you know 20 30 uh and, and nfl scouts aside from uh the combine of course and uh, examine validate somebody who i definitely expect that uh, to see to see playing in sundays so yeah to your point i mean that there definitely is uh very very uh, big shoes to fill um I, I will say that maybe unlike um past seasons if you've been following arizona state where there really was that alpha male uh running back and then it, it seems like everybody else in the running back room was just uh, fighting for crumbs uh, on Saturdays. I think this uh, running back group really is going to be that running by running back by committee that maybe the coaches at ASU for the last handful of years wanted to employ, but uh, just because you had really a great, uh, you know, lineage of running backs, if you will, starting with, you know, Benjamin, who's in the NFL, uh, Rashad White, who's in the NFL, and mm -hmm. Xavier Balde, who 
definitely will be uh, in the NFL and get drafted uh, later on this month. Uh, it was really hard to have that uh, uh, desired 1A, 1B uh, running back. So uh, that's something I think I think we're definitely going to see uh, uh, quite a bit at Arizona State. I wouldn't be surprised if it would be uh, Cam, Cam Scadabo and Tevin White, because I think Tevin White, in terms of uh, ceiling and potential, uh, definitely has the highest among all the other running backs. But again, what I saw from Javon Jacobs or from, from what I saw from Carlos Brooks, um, I think uh, should make ASU fans and the ASU staff, for that matter, feel uh, better about their running backs. Again, it's just going to be a different feel, a different look, where you're really going to need uh, three, four running backs to be consistent contributors, consistent contributors, I'm sorry, rather than actually relying on that one uh, workhorse yeah. uh, running back that's getting uh, 20 carries or so every Saturday. It is cool that, you know, there's only one retention from the previous staff, and that was Coach Guano, who, you know, mm -hmm. stepped in after after Herm Edwards was was let go. Um, you know, I thought it was pretty cool to to keep uh, Coach Guano around. And, you know, he's the running backs coach, so there, there's some yep. continuity there, too. I, I thought it was cool. All right, let's talk about the tight ends. Um, so uh, losing uh, Case Hatch, who felt like he'd been around forever, um, <laughs> is, you know, sort of the, the, the blocker H, you know, kind of guy. Um Bringing back uh, Jalen Conyers, who had uh, I, you know, a bit of a breakout year. Uh, you know, last year he had transferred in earlier from uh, Oklahoma. Um, uh, bringing back Messiah Swinson, who had uh, transferred in earlier from uh, Mizzou, um, who also, you know, he got uh, I think about fifteen receptions last year. Mm -hmm. um, actually, bringing back you know most of the room. It's just that you know most of these guys didn't really get catches, you know, other than Conyers and Swinson last year. Um, yeah. Jacob Newell. Uh, Bryce Pierre, although he was featured a lot in the, the uh, spring game, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, of all things, a guy named Colby Garvin um, got was forced into putting uh, a, a, an offensive tackle number on to play uh, the right tackle uh, for the Correct. gold team, um, which was like that had me guessing for a long time. Like, there is no number 50 on this team. Who the hell is this guy? Uh, <laughs> so uh, that was really, we were talking about the offensive line in a little bit, but like it's a big offense or excuse me, um, tight end room. Um, and I sort of get the impression both from watching Kenny, Dill what Dill Kenny Dillingham did at Oregon. Um, and also I had to do a bunch of film study on Kenny Dillingham before he got to Oregon. Right. So I was watching him at Auburn and at Memphis and at Florida state. I know that guy likes to use multiple tight ends. So um uh, I would expect that there's actually probably, you know, it's not just going to be Conyers and Swinson. I would actually expect, you know, uh, uh, you know, probably Pierre too, and, and maybe even Newell, you know, to be getting a substantial number of receptions this year. Um, what do you think about that? Hode. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll, I'll start off from the last name they mentioned. Uh, uh, Jacob Newell um, is expected to be um, in the portal. Oh, really? But I mean, as, as we speak, I mean, by, by the time oh. this podcast, but uh, it does get published. All right. <laughs> it will be new. So just giving everybody wrong, uh, wrong by the end of my sentence. All right. Uh, hey, wait, wait, uh, <laughs> like, like we said off air in the beginning, right? I mean, we're doing this uh, during an active transfer portal. So I mean, the news really recording in a live volcano. All right, here we go. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, let's, I guess when you talk about the tight end group, you have to you really have to start and end the conversation with, with Jalen Conyers um, showed more than just a few flashes uh, last year. Um, I uh, would definitely uh, be ready to pick a fight with anybody uh, out there in Pac-12 country that he is the best uh, tight end uh, in in the conference uh, coming coming into the 2022 season. You know, just as a side note, uh, when I interviewed uh, defensive coordinator Brian Ward, uh, even prior to spring practice, 
Um, I did ask him that, uh, you know, when you were the uh, defensive coordinator at Washington State in 2022, uh, you know, what, what, what were your thoughts uh, scouting the Arizona State offense? I thought it was just kind of a, you know, a cool thing to ask of somebody who's, who's now uh, really, you know, crossed over and actually coaching Arizona State. And he said that, that during their scouting report, uh, he felt that uh, Arizona State was just as good as, as a, t- a tight end group as Utah. Uh, when you look at the entire landscape of the Pac-12. So, again, if you're following the Pac-12, you know that that is definitely high praise and then some. Um, and I think a player like Jalen Conyers and uh, the way uh, he performed in 2022 is obviously a big reason for a opposing uh, Pac-12 defensive coordinator uh, to, to, to actually say that. So uh, Jalen Conyers is somebody who, uh, even if Kenny Dillingham wasn't known as an offensive coordinator, uh, that is going to th- throw the tight ends uh, a lot. I think a guy like Kindness would really force the issue, for lack of a better term, because he's just uh, way uh, too big and uh, and too uh, quick of a target uh, for his his size uh, not to be heavily involved um, in in the passing game. And uh, you can definitely expect to see a lot of uh, two tight end sets uh, for Arizona State, because I think a guy like Messiah Swinson, who uh, is who was even taller than uh, Jalen Conyers, a, a legit six uh, seven. Uh, uh, you know, somebody who uh, definitely uh, is able to take the heat off of Jalen Conyers uh, if you are uh, concentrating a little more on him, uh, if, whether you're a linebacker or a safety. Um, I think uh, that's uh, really, in terms of a, a one-two punch at tight end, uh, is definitely top three easily um, in, in the Pac-12 and maybe a group that I would put um, right against a lot of other groups uh, around the country. A, a guy like Bryce Pierre, I mean, maybe the forgotten man is a number three tight end. Um, he really, really showed a lot of uh, pass catching abilities um, in the spring. He was like, it was a JC transfer uh, last year, so maybe the acclimation pr- process uh, was uh, naturally a long one for him. But uh, in the spring, he definitely showed himself as uh, as a reliable target out there. So uh, the, those three tight ends, I think, uh, form a, a great uh, uh, tight end room. Uh, you know, Ryan Morgan is uh, somebody that's uh, really going to be uh, somebody's really going to be hard for him to find. Um, his uh, reps and definitely would probably well, be called want him more, more as a blocking tight end, exactly, yeah. than, than, than a receiving tight end. But but as far as the tight end group, this is a solid, solid group, uh, one of the best position uh, rooms uh, across this uh, 2023 Sun Devil squad. All right, the wide receivers. Um, I feel like we saw, you know er- – we saw everybody in this room during the spring game. Uh, you know, the, the, we already talked about Jacobs, who was moon landings running back. Um, the, you know, the four uh, returners on scholarship, uh, you know, Elijah Badger, Giovanni Sanders, we saw them, you know, pretty extensively last year. Um, uh, you know, they, they combined for 130 receptions, you know, there are pretty known quantities at this point, you know, upperclassmen, um, Andre Johnson and, uh, Chad Johnson. Um, I feel like we know, you know, Andre Johnson pretty well. I am curious about Chad Johnson because like, you know, he came in with a lot of fanfare in 2020 as part of that, you know, big recruiting class full of four stars. And then like, I feel like we've never really seen him produce anything. Uh, is this finally the year for him? What do you think code? Yeah, well, let's uh, let's start with uh, returning players. Uh, yeah, Geo Sanders is uh, somebody who really uh, had, a, had, I think, a breakout uh, season uh, for the for the Sun Devils last year. Probably played better in the second half of the year, and uh, yeah. no fluke uh, that Trent Borgay, uh, being the quarterback, the second half of the year. Yeah, it really felt uh, like they had a connection. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That is a hundred percent attributed uh, to the rise in the play of Geo Sanders, uh, a player that. Uh, uh, 
like many out there, not only, not only at ASU, but across the country that gets introduced on senior day. And sure enough, uh, comes back for one more year, run her back. So uh, I, I think uh, that's uh, definitely uh, good news for that wide receiver room uh, to, to see him uh, uh, back, back, back in the fold for Arizona State. Um, as far as uh, Chad Johnson Jr., you know, he's somebody that uh, really was always buried uh, down, to, down the depth chart, but, you know, did enough. Uh, even if it was like in uh, scout team duties uh, throughout the season. And just overall, just being a good member of the team, uh, you know, never getting in trouble, uh, showing that he's working hard day in and day out, and that's why he's still on the team. And I thought uh, the spring overall was probably his best performance uh, from start to finish, if I'm looking at just preseason camps or uh, spring practices uh, since he arrived in Tempe. Uh, You know, one player that – I don't know if he was banged up in the spring spring game, but uh, I think only had one or two reps uh, out there. So um, I know from the outside looking in, it seems like uh, once again he won't be a factor. But it wouldn't really shock me if he ended up being um, on, on the two deep or maybe like teetering between third team and second team uh, uh, throughout the season. So, uh, but but Chad Johnson Jr. definitely showed you know some some promise out there. So I'm curious. Uh, to see how that materializes when the season um, begins. Um, you know, Elijah Badger, uh, by far uh, the top wide receiver coming sure. back. Uh, and, and just like I put Jalen Connor as one of the best returning tight ends in the in the uh, conference, uh, I'm definitely putting Elijah Badger as one of the best returning wide receivers uh, in, in the conference. And I think that the combination of having more weapons um, around him in the passing game, whether it be the wide receiver group or the tight end group, as well as just having a much better offensive mind at head coach in Kenny Dillingham and having a very innovative offensive coordinator in Bo Baldwin. Bo Baldwin can really help Elijah Badger uh, flourish that much more uh, because what he's done, uh, you know, pretty much handcuffed uh, to not a great system and not having a great uh, quarterback for the first uh, six or so games of the year. Uh, we saw the numbers that he, he was able to put up um, the, the future is definitely, definitely bright for Badger in, in this offense. You know, Andre Johnson is just one of the, one of those enigmas. Um, you really don't know um, how come somebody with an NFL body and loads of potential uh, just shows you a flash here, a flash there, and, and basically uh, is quiet uh, in, in in between for, you know, for long periods. Uh, you know, kind of like Chad Johnson Jr., I mean, maybe just kind of teetering between that second team oh. and, and, and third team. And, and overall, uh, just because – the abundance of talent that, that, that was brought in, uh, in in terms of newcomers, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, you know, m- much like Chad Johnson, uh, might be really, really hard for Andre Johnson to uh, be a mainstay uh, in the two deep. But uh, overall, uh, this wide receiver group, uh, obviously because of uh, the uh, newcomers that were brought in, has definitely upgraded uh, quite a few notches. And that's that's one reason among many that I expect this ASU offense to be much more explosive in 2023. I mean, I, I think I, I think I understood why it was because, you know, these court, first of all, is Valade got like 37 catches, you know, like they wanted to throw the, the yeah. ball to the running back a lot. They wanted to throw the ball to Conyers and Swinson, the tight ends a lot, you know, so like there's already a bunch of receptions going away from the wide receivers. And then like, you know, Badger gets 70 receptions, you know, he's sort of monopolizing the wide receiver catches. And then as we already talked about Burgay and Sanders are like on a wavelength, man. So like, you know, after that point, and then we haven't even talked about the departures from the wide receiver room, you know, Brian Thompson, 
uh, and Charles Hall and Cam Johnson, you know, have all now left, you know, and those guys add up for, you know, like 45 catches, you know, for those guys. And it's like, okay, so between, you know, the, 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 the running backs and the tight ends and, you know, Badger and Sanders and, you know, three other, you know, departed, you know, wide receivers, like how many more catches, you know, can Trenton Morgay, you know, distribute, you know, it's like, you know, I think the Johnson, you know, the Johnsons, Andre Johnson and Chad Johnson is just sort of like, well, there's just not that many more catches, you know, like it's entirely possible that those guys were great. And, you know, so, so now that, you know, Brian Thompson, Charles Hall, Cam Johnson, uh, you know, Xavier Validate, Daniel Yagata are now, you know, no longer with the program, like, well, you know, now maybe those guys are going to be catching the ball because, you know, maybe there's more catches. On the other hand, they did bring in, you know, four transfers, you know, into the program. We saw all of them during the spring game. Um, they brought in uh, Melquan Stovall um, from Colorado State. Um, they brought in uh, Troy Omire uh, um, from Texas, uh, who's mm-hmm. a four-star. Um, they brought in Jake Smith, who was also, I think, originally from Texas, but then at USC, who's also yeah. four-star. Although the guy's basically never produced in his career. It's kind of weird. Um, and then Xavier Gilroy um, from the FCS ranks. Uh, did I miss anybody? Um, no, I, I think I think it'd be pretty much covered. I'll just uh, touch briefly on each of them. Uh, Jake Smith is somebody actually that uh, did, did produce a pretty decent numbers in his first year in Texas, and then oh, that's injury. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, um, he uh, a prep local over here at Scottsdale uh, Notre Dame Prep, and actually was ah. uh, g- g- um, out of high out, out of his senior year was Gatorade Player of the Year, not only in Arizona but nationwide. You know, somebody that absolutely put you know video game like numbers. Uh, d- during d- during his senior year at high school, um, but yeah, but like I said, after that first year in Texas, uh, the injury bug really hit him hard. Um, the remainder of his career in Texas, and then uh, and then USC, he pretty much uh, did not play football. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure right now if it's a year or two. I would have to look look it up. But um, yeah, I would say definitely somebody who had a very quiet uh, college career after that um, first year in Austin. And, um, you know, somebody who uh, unfortunately was uh, banged up uh, over here for Arizona State uh, in spring practice, but uh, was uh, healthy and ready to go uh, towards uh, the last week of spring uh, uh, practice and did actually uh, showed uh, some promising signs that uh, if, you know, maybe not as an everyday starter, but somebody that, you know, could do a whole lot worse in terms of a backup uh, quarterback, most likely in the slot uh, position. So uh, curious to see um, if he uh, can remain healthy all throughout August and really establish him, uh, himself uh, in the rotation. Xavier Guillory from uh, Idaho State, uh, he's somebody that, even though he played in an FCS program, I had uh, huge expectations uh, from uh, coming in as a newcomer, and uh, I thought he did not disappoint at all. Uh, you know, you talk about somebody that's going to take a lot of heat off of a proven wide receiver in the pack like Elijah Badger and Xavier Guillory is definitely that guy. Um, just excellent combination of, uh, of, of physicality and speed. You know, somebody who gave the defensive backs uh, in practice fits day in and day out. So I'm really, um, really, really excited uh, to see uh, what, what, what he can do, um, you know, this year in an offense that's definitely going to spread the ball and uh, really, you won't have the need to have Elijah, somebody like Elijah Badger have 70 or so receptions uh, in one season just because a guy, a guy like Xavier Aguilera 
is definitely going to justify the need to feed him the ball um, early and often in games too. Um, Melkon Stallwell is uh, somebody who played only three games at Colorado State uh, last season. And I really thought it was going to come in uh, as somebody that has a lot of rust uh, to knock off. And uh, he's somebody that, you know, maybe started spring practice on a much stronger note than he ended. But uh, him and Geo Sanders, I think, are really going to battle uh, quite a bit all throughout August for that starting slot uh, slot wide receiver spot. Uh, Stowell, really one of the most uh, sure-handed uh, re- re- receivers on the team. Uh, you know, and somebody that, uh, just like a lot of other uh, newcomers from the transfer portal on both sides of the ball, just uh, brings a lot of college experience uh, with him. A lot of been there, done that. And it definitely shows uh, in his play. Uh, Troy Mary from Texas is somebody uh, who maybe the opposite of Stallwall uh, started out spring really slow, but I thought uh, really came on strong um, on the, the last uh, week or so. Uh, definitely a, a physical presence uh, compared to uh, the other wide receivers uh, in the room. And uh, somebody uh, who uh, definitely showed that uh, he could uh, be uh, a mainstay in, in on, on, on the second team. And, uh, you know, somebody that, uh, again, just having that uh, Power 5 experience uh, does uh, ultimately uh, showcase itself uh, there on the field. So um, overall, the wide receiver group, uh, I think, is is pretty loaded, definitely compared to last year. And again, going back to my earlier point, uh, when you guys, when you have guys like Dillingham and Bo Baldwin that are going to uh, construct this offense, uh, really the sky's the limit uh, for this position group and the passing game in general for the Sun Devils. And they got, you know, we talked about Jacobs, and they brought in two uh, true freshmen who, you know, given – you know, the rest of the unit, I don't really think we're going to see the true freshman Corbin Hendricks and Caleb Black. But, mm-hmm. you know, here's the thing about the, the, the eight guys, you know, that we've talked about, you know, the, the, the four returners, you know, Badger, Sanders, Johnson and Johnson and the four transfers, Stovall, O'Meary, Smith and Gilroy, is that they're all upperclassmen. And I mean, like really upperclassmen, like they all started playing football in either 2019 or 2020, yeah. which means this is either their fourth or fifth year in college football, which means, you know, in addition to the talent that they have, you know, they're all pretty, you know, or pretty much all of them are pretty talented guy, multiple four stars in the group. Like they're very experienced, you know, like it's a pretty, you know, veteran group. Um, and, uh, you know, hard to see this being, you know, the bottleneck, uh, you know, it's a pretty veteran group. Let's talk about the offensive line. I, I think if there is a bottleneck for Arizona state's offense, you know, we're probably looking at problems with the offensive line. If it happens, the, they do return, I, I believe, <laughs> although you've told me I'm wrong about this a couple of times so far. <laughs> um, I believe they return both their left tackle and their right tackle from last year. Isaiah Glass and Emmett Bowley, right? That that, that part is correct. Let, let's, okay, let, let, let's look at the rest of the list. All right. Okay. <laughs> so I think they lose the three guys who I believe were um, their starters at the interior guard spots. I believe both Chris Martinez, the left guard, and Des Holmes, the right guard, um, have both run out of eligibility. They were grad students. Correct. And I believe the starting uh, center, Ben Scott, uh, hit the portal. Uh, do I have that right? That is correct, yes. Okay. They also have lost a bunch of other dudes. Ladarius Henderson took off. Uh, Armin Bethea. Thomas Lebusher just took off. Kobe Stokes, which uh, I'm not sure any of those guys were in line. Um no. I I thought that Ralph Frias had departed because he wasn't listed on the official roster, but then I saw him playing in the spring game. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, he is actually on the team. Yeah. Yeah. Raphael's had a, uh, non-football related, uh, medical issue, uh, huh. which held him out in uh, 2022, but, uh, he is, he, he is back on the team in 2023. Did, uh, right. 
run 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 a lot of second team. And yeah, definitely happy, you know, for a guy that I mean, any any guy returning, you know, from a medical condition, uh, whether it's football related or not, is, is always a great story. And uh, Ralph Rios, uh, an, an in-state guy from uh, tiny uh, Safford, Arizona, um, is uh, is somebody who was still part of the offensive line group. Like I said, ran, ran a lot of second team. Um, I like. I'll be curious to see if that's uh, still the case uh, come August. But yes, he is. Uh, he is back in the team and playing. Okay, so um, Frias aside, <laughs> yeah. uh, I believe there was only three other returning scholarship offensive linemen um, on the team. Uh, Joey Ramos, who had previously mm-hmm. transferred in from Iowa State, yeah. uh, Austin Berry, and Ben Bray. Yes. Um, I do. I have that right. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, Jordan jo- Ramos, um, if you recall, uh, missed um, all of last year because uh-huh. of an ACL um, injury uh, suffered in, uh, in, in, in increases in camp. But um, we did see him in the spring game. He looks healthy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's he, he's definitely slated to be the starter at right guard. Absolutely. Okay, that's I figured that. Um, and Barry, uh, I don't think I saw Barry during the spring game, though. Um, I believe I believe he did play. Um, he was oh, running consistently okay. um, on, on the second team, uh, also at right guard. So okay. uh, yeah, I mean he's uh, again. I mean right now, we, you know, he, he's part of the two deep. You know, again, I would compare him to a guy like Ralph Frias. You know, uh, because uh, I expect ASU to bring in. Uh, you know, they already brought uh, one um, transfer portal offensive lineman, uh, uh, Siona Finau from uh, Purdue. Um, a good chance to add at least uh, one more. Oh, uh, the There's been a bunch, but let's talk yeah. about the new guys in a second. Okay. But what about and then Ben Bray, uh, the the last of the returners? I saw him playing center during the spring game. Second Every, team center, yes, correct. Yeah, right. Okay, okay. And then I also saw a couple of guys who I I don't think are on scholarship playing the spring game. I saw Matt Categaris, um, and I saw Danny um, Venezuela. Yes, playing. Okay. So now let's talk about um, the new guys because uh, there's a lot of them. Uh, there are some JUCOs, Max Ahinshore, um, and Kyle Scott. Mm-hmm. I saw, I think, I think there are five guys that they got in the portal. I saw uh, Lee Fountainow, um from UNLV playing during the spring game at center. First game center, yes. Okay. I saw, uh, they took in the portal Aaron Frost uh, from Nevada, um, although I don't think I saw him. Yes, he, he was he, he was held out uh, during, during spring practice, but I'm told that uh, he will be good to go uh, in camp, uh, slated as a starting right tackle as it stands right now. They took from you mentioned they took out of the portal um Sione Finau from Purdue and I think before that FIU but Correct. I don't think he's uh, I don't think he was available for for oh, no, he, no he is exactly like a, a grad transfer from Purdue so uh if you know the portal rules um those folks actually are able to put themselves in the portal prior to April 15th mm-hmm. um he did and ASU snatched him uh, uh pretty quickly so before the uh the uh transfer portal for the undergrads even opened up ASU was able to secure um, but was he practicing because I don't see him on the roster oh no 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 not not at all he he actually was participating in Purdue's spring practice and um, he was consistently consistently running second team actually was consistently running second team uh, last year for the Boilermakers and uh for for those uh uh, who uh, may have forgotten the Boilermakers actually did play Michigan uh, for the from the for the Big Ten championship plays being uh, charitable yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no, uh, so, so no, 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 no shame uh, being a backup uh, in the uh, 2022 uh, Purdue squad. So uh, yeah, Sino so, so no, for now is uh, somebody who could contend for a, a, a starting job. Just depends how everything else uh, shakes out. But 
again, I mean, well, it's it, going to be yeah. a lot of shaking, man. But let me finish the, <laughs> the portal list. Um, okay. They got Ben Coleman from Cal. Yes. Um, although I saw him during the spring game, but he um, he had like a baseball cap on. I don't think he was playing. I think maybe he was uh, hurt a little bit. Correct. Um, and then Bram Walden from Oregon. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't didn't spot him on the sideline at all um, yeah. during the spring game. Uh, did do you get it? Do you have a story on him? Yeah, yeah. I, I was going, I was just waiting waiting for you to finish the list. So uh, before I yeah, I, I think I'm done with the list unless I missed that somebody. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, but Ben uh, Ben Coleman is somebody who unfortunately has an even more serious injury than a guy like uh-huh. Aaron Cross, for example. Um, uh, Kenny Dillingham said that uh, Ben Coleman is somebody uh, who might only come back the latter part of October, maybe oh, wow. even November. Oh, that's so, um, you know, if if you told me that Ben Coleman is end up going to be a medical redshirt, I definitely would not dispute oh, that as as a feasible uh, scenario. I mean, that really stinks. I mean, honestly, look, I've been watching Ben Calman, Coleman for his entire career at Cal, and okay. like his numbers are really terrible. Like, I don't, he's not yeah. impressed with his career. But every Cal offensive lineman has stunk for that, like under Justin Wilcox. So, like, getting out of Berkeley may be great for him. But then sure. to learn that he's been injured, like, I mean, yeah. can this guy not catch a break? Like, that that's yeah. Sucks. No, I, I I I totally I totally agree. Like I said, a medical redshirt and hope and you know a waiver from NCAA to play an extra year. I think that's more or less you know the the prediction for some someone like Ben Coleman, okay. who they they predicted uh, to be uh, probably uh, at at left guard, a uh, starting mm-hmm. left guard, I should say for ASU. Uh, but you know, Bram Walden um, did run um, sec- second team uh, left tackle. Uh, did get a little banged up. Uh, t- towards the end of spring practice, uh, so that's why I did not see him in the spring mm-hmm. game, but should be good to go uh, in uh, August's uh, preseason camp. Uh, oh, uh, I'm pulling Clark. for him. We yeah. didn't get to see him at Oregon at all because he yeah. was basically, you know, injured his entire time in Eugene. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, it'd be great if he if he got to play because I think he's, you know, he's super talented. He's got an awesome body for for playing yeah. that position. But like, oh man. I mean, if he were injured again, like, the, I mean, just like, that's another guy. Like, can this guy not catch a break, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and a, a, a quick note on Brown Walden, um, you know, he, he uh, prepped local over here at Scottsdale mm-hmm. Suaro. He's probably one of, I don't know, seven players that he's got from the transfer portal that actually played their high school uh, football here in the Valley. And uh, Kenny Dillingham maybe half-jokingly said that uh, he never saw Brown Walden uh, smile once when he when he was up, uh, up there in Eugene. Mm. Uh, and and as he said, you know, he he would definitely uh, was bitten by the injury bug uh, quite a bit during his Oregon career. And uh, and uh, Kenny Dillingham said that uh, ever since uh, Brown Walden arrived in Tempe, uh, he, had, he really really hasn't stopped smiling. So maybe it was uh, yeah. seasonal affective disorder. Is that uh, possible? I mean, if Arizona State could get half the talent in the state to stay home, I mean, they'd be an unstoppable juggernaut. It's it, the great. One of the great questions in college football is why ASU has, you know, I'm not sure. been able to retain local talent. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I hope, hope that somebody like Kenny Dillingham was not only an ASU alumnus, somebody who played locally here at high school, was coach for was a coach for local high school, really knows the landscape of the uh, in-state recruiting can really can really change that in a hurry. But uh, yeah, but so Bramalden is somebody who I think uh, definitely has a good chance of being. Uh, on, on on the two deep uh, when the, when the when the season begins, again you just you just hope that it, that, that dang injury bug you yeah. know much like you know much like a guy like Jake Smith uh, finally takes a vacation now that they're back home hmm. uh, because uh, it's definitely been a struggle for those two players. As did you 
Did you mention that Aaron Frost, the Nevada transfer, is he also injured? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, but basically, he was a practice every day, just just not really uh, participating much. Okay. Uh, but, he, but he's somebody that uh, should be okay uh, come uh, come come August. So, really, when it comes to the offensive line, uh, that's by far to me uh, the biggest uh, question mark. Um, slap, oh, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, man. Like, yeah. what else? So, I mean, I assume that Glass and Bowley still have their jobs at tackle. Well, in terms of first team or second team, that remains to be seen. But yes, really, you uh, think they could get passed up at first team? I I think it really depends on what on uh, what 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 happens in the portal. And mm. um, and you Brad think Walter, Arizona State could pick up more players in the portal? Yes, yes. Okay. I mean, I I think they're going to pick up at least one more offensive lineman. Now the question is, are going to going to pick up pick up a guard, pick up a tackle, just pick up the best available, and just let let everything sort out. But um, uh, Aaron Frost, as I mentioned earlier, he's definitely slated to be the starting right tackle. Really? So, uh, I mean, unless the injury bug still hangs on to dear life with Frost, um, I don't I don't see why he, w- he would not be the starting right tackle. And then uh, uh, really having em- Emmett Bowley um, just uh, slide to a uh, second team. And, uh, you know, if they feel that they can get a a formidable um, left tackle who, who they feel better uh, than a side glass than uh, a thin glass. Well, much like Bowley m- might be just uh, um, finding his niche more in the second team than the first team. So that that, that, really? that really remains to be seen. Yeah. You know, the bottom line is if it wasn't clear already, offensive line for Arizona State a very very incomplete picture. Oh, I mean, yeah. sure you can list it as a concern right now, but. Without, I really mean, compared speed. to the rest of the offense, you know, like absolutely, yes. you know what they're going to do at quarterback, or at least you know you're you've got it narrowed down to like two pretty good options. You, you know, the running back room is a question mark, but they've got a lot of good options. You you know mm-hmm. what they're doing at tight end. You know what they're doing at wide receiver. You know what the offense is going to look like between two pretty good you know minds. And then the offensive line is like, what the hell is this? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and you know your offensive line is what makes your offense go. You know, and I can tell you from watching, can dillingham for all this time you know not just the year that he was at oregon from the from all the film study like it's not like he's running an offense that's like one of these uh, offenses that's like oh the offensive line doesn't matter it's one of these like oh get the ball out of the hand of the quarterback's hand instantly no it's like a you know the, it, the it, it, offensive line is relevant to kenny dillingham's offenses and like if this offensive line isn't like a, at least a a decent offensive line like don't you know don't plan on this being like an amazing offense like the offensive line is going to need to be good and like right now it looks like uh i don't know man (laughs) like they got to replace three starters and with a bunch of guys like you know every single one of these questions is like i don't know man this guy was injured for all this time (laughs) you know yeah no i again i'm 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 definitely not going to dispute anything you said uh, on on this topic uh offensive line definitely needs to be figured out there's, and there's a lot of figuring out uh, to do. Um, I basically just have to reserve judgment uh, to see uh, what actually happens between now and August as far as as far as transfer portal auditions, as far as the general health of uh, the position, let alone very specific players that uh, are supposed to be starters or in the two deep. There's just a lot of a lot of things yeah. to figure out. Yeah, right a lot now. of moving front. Let's say Let's say that I get to wave a magic wand and uh, everybody in the offensive line room is is magically healed of all of their injuries and, and everybody who's in this room or is expected to be in this room mm-hmm. is magically healed. However, you don't get to add any new pieces from the portal. So it's this room is what you got to roll with, but okay. they're all magically healed. Who are the five starters left to right? Um, 
if if we're not counting any additions beyond Siona uh, uh, Finau from um, yeah. Purdue, then I would say uh, Isai Glass at left tackle, Siona uh, mm-hmm. Finau at left guard, uh, Lifa now at center, Joy Ramos uh, right guard, and Aaron Frost right tackle. And again, this is assuming yeah. no 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 portal additions. It's a it's, it's a pretty good group. That, that is exactly what I had, except the, yeah. except I had Bowley at right tackle. So yeah, no, hey, cool. Aaron, Aaron Frost, if healthy, is definitely is definitely a starter. Most likely, most likely at, at right right tackle. Yes. Okay, uh, let's switch over and talk about the defense. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I think basically, okay. First of all, a little background. Arizona State has been running a four down defense for a long time now, which is actually a little unusual in the Pac 12. Um, mm-hmm. mo- most teams have been running three down defenses, but Arizona State's been rolling with a four down defense. And the other thing about Arizona State's defense, um, and Air. Oregon fans may need a refresher on this because Oregon hasn't played Arizona State in like three years, right? Like the 2019 game is the last time they played. Yep. Um, uh, 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 I have actually been stumping for Arizona State's defensive front for a long time. Um, like I've actually been really impressed with, um, if nothing else, just the beef in the front of uh, Arizona State's defensive line that they've got, you know, the four beefy defensive linemen and their edges. It's not just their defensive tackles are real beefy, but their edges are not just like little tiny pass rushers. Their, their ends are big old ends too. So they put, you know, a whole lot of beef in the line. You just really can't run against them. And, you know, I've always been impressed with that for Arizona State really plays against type, uh, you know, for the for the Pac-12. And, you know, I remember, you know, on this podcast multiple times, Hode, uh, where you, all you wanted to talk about was how good the defensive backs were. And I'd be like, but w- what about the defensive line? You're like, are you crazy? The defensive line, who cares about them? And I'm like, no, the defensive line is really good. And then and then you sort of warmed up to me after a couple of years. Like, you know, maybe actually these defensive linemen are so but now some stuff has happened. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of this beef have, um, has, has uh, bounced. Um, so let's, let's run through some of these departures in the defensive uh, line room. Yeah, there's a lot, right? So uh, Nesta Jade Silvera, has departed. Tell me if I uh, if I get any of this wrong, please. Um, yeah. Nesta J. Silvera has departed. Uh, T.J. Pesafea, uh, Omar Norman Lott, uh, Bamad Miller, uh, uh, and then after the spring game, guys who played: uh, Jaleel Rivera, Harvey, um, Robbie Harrison, uh, Brandon McElroy, um, and then from the defensive ends, uh, Joe Moore and Trevez Moore. Uh, mm-hmm. Have I got all that right? Yeah, I, I believe uh, I believe you did. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's a lot, man. Um, yeah, it is. It, it, it definitely, definitely is a lot. Um, yeah. And, and I think you bring up an excellent point uh, that the, 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 the edge slash, you know, defensive end role for Arizona state is greatly upgraded. And like you said, there definitely is some size over there. It's not just, uh, you know, the, the, um, you know, um, vertically challenged, but quick, yeah. um, you know, uh, prototype uh, edge uh, slash, uh, you know, a defensive end is not really any, you know, hybrid uh, defensive end uh, slash linebackers uh, in this group. Uh, It it is a very, very impressive group. I mean, sure, ASU's pass rush was horrendous uh, last year with with 11 sacks. So, uh, you know, again, when you talk about improving in 2023, the bar is so low that it's almost impossible not to improve. 
And, and in fairness, um, not to take anything away from this uh, very talented edge group, uh, the offensive line uh, definitely showed a lot of cracks, uh, more than uh, <laughs> you'd, you'd like to as a fan That's or true. a coach. So uh, it was easy for this edge group uh, really to, to wreak havoc uh, more often than not uh, during the 15 the, spring sessions. There but, are uh, some – yeah. I, I I agree that actually there are some really interesting and new pieces on the ends, but I am worried. I would be, if I were an Arizona state fan, I'd sort of be worried about what's going on in the middle of yeah. um, this defensive line. You know, some of these departures are sort of like, it, it's not just worrisome, not to use a pun. It's starting to get thin. Um, you know, the, the, the numbers are starting to get thin in the defensive tackles, like the two big guys who are in, in the middle, but like, they're mm -hmm. just like the, the weight is getting smaller. Like they're, you know, Rivera Harvey was 310 pounds. Robbie Harrison was 325 pounds. Brandon McElroy was 310 pounds. Um, you know, Pesafe is 305, you know, Silvero is 306. And the guys that they were, I was seeing in the spring game, um, you know, playing in the middle of the defensive line were, were guys like Blaze and Lona Wong, you know, who's like 270, you know, mm -hmm. and I was seeing, I was seeing like Sam Benjamin, who I'm pretty sure is supposed to be playing defensive end, Correct. was playing defensive tackle at like 255, mm -hmm. right? Um, I was seeing CJ fight, um, who I actually think is going to be pretty good, um, in a little bit, but he's a true freshman. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and, and it's like, I sort of feel like he's going to get rushed into action, uh, 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 early, uh, you know, for that reason, because like he's 280 pounds and it's like, well, we need somebody big in the middle and you look like you're ready to play. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, your assessment is, is really spot on, on, on the defensive tackle group. Uh, this is definitely the most dire need in the transfer portal for Arizona state. And I, and they will easily bring it, bring up, bring in two players um, over here. There's no mm -hmm. doubt about that. Uh, you know, to, just to mention some of the names, I'm sorry to um, just, Discuss. I'm sorry, some of the names already mentioned. Uh, CJ Fight, extremely impressive as a true freshman, first ever yeah. sp spring practice at, at the at, at the college level. I mean, sure, you know, you, you you definitely have to put the huge asterisk with any true freshman, no matter how talented they are. That you just don't know how many ups and downs they're going to experience, you know, during August preseason camp. You know, let alone uh, the regular season. But uh, he's somebody that ASU is definitely ba banking a lot on. And, you know, I, I think there was definitely some competition around him. But uh, ultimately, uh, I know it's easy to get hung up to say, like, oh, wow, you know, ASU might start, uh, you know, a true freshman in one of the most physically demanding um, uh, roles on the field. That doesn't bode well. But ultimately, look, I mean, it, you know, if you're a baller, you're a baller. And CJ Fide has had, has had an excellent, excellent uh spring spring practice so he he, he definitely earned the right uh, to, to um you know to be that guy um a guy that you didn't mention uh tristan monday from from wisconsin I, uh, I don't think i saw him in the spring game or maybe i did and the numbers are screwed up this yeah is it, it's not, not, he's 93 sam Benjamin is 92 so maybe it's easy to get uh mixed up over there but but tristan monday somebody uh, who like sam benjamin uh did play defensive end uh at, at his previous spot uh sam benjamin on the way uh, another idaho state Transfer Tristan Money, right. as I mentioned, uh, come from Wisconsin. 
And I thought just a Monday uh, for somebody who's playing a position that's somewhat foreign to him, at least in the Power Five level. I thought that definitely, definitely. I think he started in at Wisconsin at tackle, and then midway through last season, he switched over to end. Um, But he's like two seventy five, so like I can understand him switching back and forth. But he was he in fact playing during the spring game? I got really confused. You know, that's the thing I have to look uh, look at my notes. I definitely know he was uh, playing quite a bit, uh, sometimes even first team uh, in the throughout uh, the the, uh, fourteen preceding practices. Um, okay. and, and definitely somebody that uh, uh, stood out there among, among his peers. Okay. So I think that that's another player that uh, that Arizona State. Uh, All right. Well, that's good. Be. I mean, because yeah. they're they're going to need bodies. And then what about um, Deshaun Mallory, the Michigan State transfer? He's not on campus yet, right? No, that that's uh, that's a TBD. Um, okay. I mean, long story short, it was question marks. Can, can he come on campus? Not come mm-hmm. on campus. He was on the official website roster. wasn't on the official website roster. Yeah, but uh, that's that, that's one player that a, that ASU is 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 banking on, and uh, and and him him coming on board if that does come to fruition, and I think it will. Uh, that that will help the Sun Devils quite a bit. I mean, it's that's really overstating overstating the obvious. I mean, much like the offensive line, the defensive tackle just needs as much infusion of bodies and hopefully talented bodies yeah. uh, that can be there. And what about uh, Matthew Polamau? Um, uh, he was- yeah, Matthew Polamau really came as a walk-on from day one. Um, he's, a, just, he's a walk-on? I thought he was... Um, no, he, he, well, he, he was a scholarship player at Kansas State, but, but he actually did, did come in as a walk-on. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if it was like a scholarship crunch number or maybe some other considerations. And it happened under the under the old, the, the previous yeah. uh, coaching regime. So, um, yeah, I don't see him really figuring in in the two deep at all. Okay. Um, so, like I, I don't think that I saw him at all. I don't no, think no, I he, really he saw him last yeah. year at all. But like he's three hundred and forty pounds, and so I was like, dude, if you need beef, like, yeah, you know, there is. But then I'm like, why am I not seeing this guy? Yeah, um, the, 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 I think the, he answered the, that. Okay. There were some off the field issues. Uh, nothing, oh, nothing criminal. Nothing code of conduct. Just like off the field issues that uh, prevented him, you know, really okay. from being, you know, an everyday practice player, let alone. So a little somebody in the two deep. Um, I, I don't think um, you, you're 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 going to see him as a contributor in any in any capacity. Uh, you know this year, but uh, I'll, you, I'll, I'll, I'll know more. Come on. Do you think that um, Blaze and Luna Wong is going to and, and Sam Benjamin? I, I think that both of those guys are going to. I think that both of those guys are built like ends. Um, and. Yeah. Do you think that they're going to go back? Do, you said earlier that you think they're going to try to get more guys out of the portal to play tackle. Do Correct. you think they're going to do that and then send Benjamin and Luna Wong back to the ends? Uh, no, because honestly, I, I I think they would get lost in the shuffle at at end, even even yeah. probably more than than they would a tackle. Okay. Um, and again, you just you just really can't say enough about about this edge group. I mean, guys like you know Clayton Smith, yeah, uh, transfer from Oklahoma, Prince Dorba, transfer from. Uh, from um, Texas, from from, the, from Texas, Elijah O'Neill, uh, one of the best uh, junior college transfers mm-hmm. uh, at at his position. Uh, you know, then um, you, you know BJ Green, somebody who's been the best uh, uh, sack producer for Arizona State in, in the mm-hmm. last two years. Like Garen Stansbury, a young but a very promising player. You know, Michael Matus, uh, a veteran defensive end who uh, missed uh, last year because of an, yeah, an ACL, ACL, right? Yeah, ACL injury. I yeah, wasn't able to fully practice because of that in the spring. But somebody that I think uh, is definitely going to be counted um, uh, come uh, you know come August in preseason camp and probably the best run stopper out of the edge group for Arizona State. So so in other words, um, 
guys like Benjamin and Tristan Mundy and even Blaze and Lona Wong, uh, I mean, m- moving to the edge is not going to do anything yeah. but but really just weaken um, the, the defensive tackle position, both, both the nose and the three technique, uh, just to get lost even more over there at the edge group. So, yeah, so I, I definitely see those guys uh, staying put. Uh, one guy you didn't mention, uh, Anthony Cooper. Right. Um, he, he did play uh, edge uh, last year. It was actually one of the better um, edge players. I mean, I would say better defensive players. He's um, actually overall. the leading returning tackler among the defensive linemen for Arizona uh, yeah, State. There, there you go. So he's somebody. He's somebody that, that's been playing uh, playing in the interior of the defensive line in the spring, um, and and somebody that I, I think has done uh, you know you know fairly well. Uh, you know, d- depending on who they bring in from the portal, just probably additions in general. Curious to see if he's if actually going to run um, first team or not. And the same can be said about uh, you know CJ Fight. I think in um, in a perfect world. Um, if they can bring uh, two uh, transfer additions that are better than Cooper and Fight, and have Cooper and Fight just be uh, the two primary backups, I, I, I think the ASU coaching staff would definitely uh, sign uh, sign off on that scenario. But again, not to belabor the point, there's a lot of help, much like offensive line, that this uh, that this interior defensive uh, line for Arizona State uh, needs needs to get. Again, really, really curious uh, what happens between now and August. Uh, yeah. Uh, um... So, okay, uh, Dorbin Smith off the edge. Uh, we saw them during the spring game. Um, uh, saw Green off the edge in the spring game. You know, uh, um, you know, okay, that makes sense. Um, the, oh, uh, I did have a question for you. Um, one of the guys that's listed on the, uh, as a transfer is uh, from New Mexico, Ian Shule. Um, but I can't find him on the official roster. Do you know what the story is for for him? Um, that that's really a, a, a new name to me. So, oh, really? Yeah, huh. I, I I don't think he was out there in spring practice. That that, huh. name, that name doesn't doesn't does ring a faint bell. But all right, even, uh, maybe, even, maybe even you if, mislisted then. Okay. Yeah, but I would say even if they are on the roster, I mean, I don't even see that guy as a third team. Let's put it that. All way. right, fair enough. Sorry. Um, and then uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the linebackers. Okay. Um, this is sort of an eclectic mix. Um, so first of all, uh, losing some, uh, losing some guys that have been around for a long time, both of the Soleil brothers, um, uh, including Connor to Oregon, um, and then Merlin Robertson, uh, as well. So like kind of a a wholesale replacement here, um, you know, losing almost all of their tackles, um, from last year. Um, the, the leading returning tackler, um, is James Jonkum, um, who's, Mm -hmm wearing jersey number 66 of all things i don't think i've ever seen a linebacker wearing <laughs> 66 before yeah um we saw him a little bit in the spring game um but i mostly i you know i was seeing a lot of will Schaffer um and caleb mccullough yeah. um in terms of the returners um and then i was seeing two portal guys a lot um travion brown from wazoo mm-hmm. um and crew jackson from kansas state yeah. um i think those four guys are you know that's your rotation would be my prediction um do you think i'm wrong about that um no 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 not necessarily um will schaefer and, and trevian brown are definitely the entrenched uh starters in this in this 425 scheme um I would probably put uh, Caleb McCullough and, and, and James and James Jonkum as uh, the, as the primary backups. Uh, James Jonkum, uh, if you recall, is somebody who who was really uh, a much bigger linebacker than your typical player playing that role, and uh, oh, yeah. did see did did see some uh, some playing time um, at the at the edge 
but I would say as far in terms of pleasant surprises, I think that James Johncom is definitely uh, uh, would uh, would uh, qualify as one of the biggest uh, spring surprises. And I know that uh, the AC coaching staff wanted to bring probably one linebacker out of the portal just to feel a little better about their depth. But I think the way Johncom has played, uh, maybe uh, along with obviously uh, dire needs at, at offensive and defensive line, has maybe uh, have Arizona State staff. Uh, shift their uh, transfer portal needs or transfer portal desires, I should say, uh, and be just really comfortable with those um, four linebackers as a two deep. Uh, Crew Jackson is another, uh, you know, taller than usual uh, linebacker, I think stands about six, five, mm-hmm. um, you know, somebody again with uh, with, with power five experience transfer. Uh, so somebody that, uh, that definitely ha- enhances the, the depth over there. Uh, you know, Tate Romney uh, is a transfer from BYU, but, you know, unlike Crew Jackson, uh, you know, very, very inexperienced. So uh, just, you know, yeah, I don't think he played last year for, yeah. for BYU. And, yeah, I, and exactly. also I don't think I saw him in the spring game, but that's another one where I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And, but, but Tate Romney is, is definitely, uh, you know, buried down uh, the, 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 the depth chart uh, right okay. now. Uh, but uh, you know, somebody that I would, you know, classify as an, an investment for the future. Um, you know, another, not one of many uh, transfer portal guys that actually uh, played, um, over here in the Valley, their, their high school um, uh, career, uh, won uh, multiple championships with, with Chandler High School. Um, Crew Jackson, by the way, another guy that uh, prepped uh, lo- locally here in the Valley. So, um, yeah, I think I think the linebacker group is um, is pretty set. Uh, and, and, again, I think Caleb McCullough, McCullough and definitely uh, James Johncom, you know, showed enough to the coaching staff that maybe they don't, uh, di- you know, di- dip into the portal uh, to, to get maybe that uh, to get that that extra linebacker, you know, obviously you have to work the scholarship numbers because everybody has to be back uh, to eighty five uh, this year, unlike uh, the COVID year and the oh yeah, they're, they're currently yeah. way over right now. That's the thing, <laughs> you know, for any for anybody who hasn't been following these numbers, like Arizona State, I think they're at ninety two right now. Oh no, they, they were they were ninety two. I would say not not with all the attrition, they're just around eighty five actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. But you've already said like you think they're taking about like five more guys so far. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah they're, so. they're gonna have to be creative. Creative with the numbers. That's why I mentioned Ben Coleman as probably somebody they're gonna have to push for a medical retro so he doesn't count towards the eighty five because look at this guy. You know can can you know be in the lineup until after Halloween? Yeah. I mean, you know, really, what's you know what, what's what's the point over here having him count uh, towards the eighty five limit? So yeah. So 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 linebackers, I think, are, are looking are looking pretty good. Again, just remains to be seen if ASU can and will add uh, one more player from the portal for depth for depth purposes. But uh, I think the I think the coaches staff by and large is uh, happy for what they saw from this uh, position group. All right, let's talk about the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Um, this is interesting. Uh, I felt like watching Arizona State uh, last year. I, I never really felt like I had a real good feel for for who the starters were, you know, it, it felt like Arizona state seemed like they were sort of experimenting throughout the season with like, <laughs> they thought the starters should be. Um, and, and, you know, because Oregon was really paying ASU, I never really had to come to firm opinions on these questions. Hode, uh, what's can, before we even talk about who's on the roster right now, can sure. you give me some thoughts about, you know, ASU's defensive backfield in 2022? Like wh- what was the story there? Look, I mean, I don't want to oversimplify the situation, but I didn't think talent-wise it was a bad group at all. I just thought that the poor play from the defensive line last year, which someone really has to do just with uh, 
a scheme that just wasn't aggressive, wasn't creative by then coordinator Donnie Anderson, really just had that um, adverse trickle effect that mm -hmm. ultimately definitely impacted the, the I mean, there was no practice. pass rush. I mean, that's yeah, just exactly. Like yeah. And, and, and I, mentioned, I mentioned already a couple of times in this podcast. So, uh, you know, look, I mean, uh, again, some will say it's maybe oversimplifying the issue, but I don't think, you know, just from a pure talent perspective that ASU had a deficient uh, defensive back group, uh, you know, last year, I mean, sure, you know, ex explosive offenses like, you know, like, uh, like, like USC, like uh, Washington, yeah, I mean, they, they, they did expose that group, but sure, it exposed groups that might even had more talent uh, in those uh, in those position rooms. But um, yeah, I just really feel that the uh, the poor play by the defensive line uh, impacted quite a bit uh, the, the the defensive back group from Arizona State. So uh, you know, I don't think anybody should be if you're an Arizona State fan, you shouldn't be bummed out that there's so many returning players uh, that uh, definitely are figured to be in the two deep, if not in some starting roles. But uh, I'm, I'm really, really impressed uh, with some of the additions I'm sure we'll talk about in a second that, well, that, that they brought there. It's it's more that, like, it's really hard for me to figure out, you know, which of the guys who are leaving mm -hmm. and which of the guys who are returning I should even call starters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm fairly sure that Curry Bethley was a starter, you know. Absolutely, yes. uh, uh, You know, and he is departing. Um, uh, he's finally run out of eligibility. Um, yep. um, but like, was Tamarcus Davis a starter? Yes, he was, uh, for, for the, for the first part of the year and then, and then lost his job. Yeah. Uh, mostly to Ed Woods and Mason Williams, who are, who are returning players. Uh, but yeah, but he, he's somebody that, you know, at least the first half of the year was a star. Yes. So he's departed. Um, DJ Taylor has transferred out um, yes. both of the Markham uh, brothers, Keon and Kiwan uh, Markham. Yes. Um, uh, Connor Lewis, uh, although I don't think he really played. No. Um, I think that's it for the six departures. Um, yep. They are bringing back uh, Chris Edmonds, um, uh, who, I saw him in the spring game playing boundary safety. Uh, they're yeah. bringing back Jordan Clark, uh, Roe Torrance, who's playing cornerback. Um, yeah. Ed Woods, who I guess is a part-time, you know, was a starting in the second half of the season. Um, right. Isaiah Johnson, who I'm not sure if he was a starter or not. It is um, a couple of games and uh, somebody who, uh, if he is going to be still part of the team moving forward, and that's kind of a question mark right now. Um, is somebody mm. who's who I definitely expect to be at the two deep at, at uh, cornerback. Um, they bring back Mason Williams, who yes. boy, I can't figure out this guy at all because he plays according to the official stat sheet. He played in twelve games and only got eight tackles, which I don't know how you even do that. But then I see him in the spring game playing cornerback with the ones, and I'm yeah. like, okay. So what's the story with this yeah, guy? Yeah, he's, he's somebody that uh, really um, was. Mostly a reserve. I, I didn't. I mean, I have to look at my notes to see if he even started any games uh, last year. But uh, he was, uh, you know, one of the first cornerbacks off the bench, if you will, um, mm -hmm. last year. Uh, you know, may, may, maybe didn't produce, you know, uh, you know, great numbers in the first year that he actually saw meaningful action. But uh, he's somebody that uh, def, definitely has developed uh, quite nicely, I would say, from from 2022, and somebody uh, who should be battling with Ed Woods as a starting opposing corner from Ro Torrance. Ro Torrance is uh, somebody who, much like uh, Badger and Connors, I would say, uh, one of the best in the Pac-12 in his position. 
Um, hmm, that's an interesting assertion. Uh, Tariq Luckett came in from Colorado. I was pretty sure he was going to get a job, um, and then he didn't. Uh, I, what do you think the uh, Tariq Luckett story is? Yeah, Tariq Luckett is somebody uh, who you would also put under the uh, container of n- not starting spring on a, on a great note, but definitely oh, yeah. showing some flashes uh, towards the end over there. Um, to be uh, a legit contender for a starting corner position, I don't know if I would go that far. I think Mason Williams and or Ed Woods would get uh, first dibs, if you will, to be a starter right after Tariq Luckett. But as far as a, a quality uh, backup, yeah, I mean, I'd say that would – uh, more or less uh, described to Rick Logan. I saw Gene Boyd and uh, RJ Regan um, playing with the ones during the spring game too, but I didn't yeah. really see them much last year. What What's up? With yeah, they, 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 they definitely got a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of backup duties. Uh, Gene Boyd, I think, was playing more corner com- compared compared to a guy like like RJ Reagan. Um, RJ Reagan uh, is uh, going to be uh, the, uh, the 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 Nickelback um, the, the, this year. Um, he, he also had, had some injury problems, not, nothing really serious, but, uh, the times that he was inserted, uh, over there at the Nickelback, I, I thought actually performed really, really well. And I think it's going to be quite a battle between him and Jordan Clark, uh, Jordan Clark, I would say along with Rod Torrance, uh, is the best returning defensive back. Uh, so yeah, really curious to see that position battle between RJ Reagan and, and Jordan Clark at Nickelback. And also I would, uh, mention, uh, Willie Hartz, uh, you know, somebody that has a, has uh, some issues uh, with with the injury bug, mm-hmm. and somebody that uh, ironically last time ASU played a five defensive back set back in 2019. Actually, then it was actually a three three five alignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willie Hartz was one of the best players. I believe then was even freshman, but he was one of the best uh, best players on that side of the ball for the Sun Devils. Yeah, I was curious. And, you know, we haven't I just haven't seen him. You know, yeah. like recently. Uh, uh, so yeah, injuries yeah, I mean, yeah. have been a problem. Yeah, interest definitely been a problem. Uh, just just getting kind of buried in the depth chart has been a problem. But you know, this may be the classic example that right now that ASU is back in that five uh, defensive back alignment. Maybe that's mm-hmm. this alignment that's uh, almost an all or nothing proposition for Willie Hartz to play and play well. I'm sure again he has to stay healthy. There's no doubt about that. But uh, somebody who definitely showed, uh, I think, uh, you know, quite a bit in the spring. Uh, if he can stay healthy, I think uh, that could be one heck of a battle. Him, RJ Reagan. And Jordan Clark uh, for starting position or really just uh, too deep niche at the uh, nickelback role. Well, I just before we talk about the guys who came through the transfer portal, who I think yeah. are going to probably get a lot of play, I, I will note from just a roster management standpoint, it did seem like there are a lot of guys who are upperclassmen in the defensive back room who sort of stuck around for a long time, but who have been getting a lot of play. And mm-hmm. I sort of think that Kenny Dillingham was looking at this and thinking like there are probably a lot of guys who are going to get cleared out, you know, either right now or sometime soon um and and it's probably why you know i think they took six true freshmen in this recruiting class Mm -hmm. um you know russ bradley cox uh warren abney and lawson in fact i think i was seeing one of them uh, montana warren um play with the ones in the spring game which was which was interesting um you know not the you know all of them are like mid three stars so you know in terms of like you know, talent wise, I don't think, you know, knocking anybody's socks off or anything, but like just taking a ton of true freshmen. And, uh, you know, I think it's sort of like, that's a roster management move. That's a like, Hey, we need to build up this, you know, this unit, uh, uh, you know, the, the, some of these guys are getting, uh, old in the tooth and they're not really contributing, <laughs> uh, is sort of, you know, the way I interpreted that. Um, but, 
really, I sort of expect that, you know, some of these portal guys are, 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 are going to be, you know, the, the headliners here because they got Xavier Alford, um, uh, from USC. He had to sit out last season with, I think an injury, but, um, right. he was, uh, you know, a real big get for USC, um, when they got him in 2020, um, um, he played for them in 2021, had a pretty good year. He was playing in the spring game and he looks like a four star, um, and they got um, an interesting uh, take from the FCS rank, Shamari Simmons, um, yeah. who I think I'm pretty convinced that Shamari Simmons is going to take somebody's job. Um, what do you think about that? No, I, I, I think you're absolutely right that Examine Alfred and Shamari Simmons, if the season starts today, are going to be your two starting safeties. Yeah. Again, uh, the nickelback, the third safety, however you want to phrase it. Uh, you know, Jordan Clark might be the clubhouse later, but, you know, RJ Regan and Willie Hartz, if healthy, can definitely push him over there. So, yeah, so Chris Edmonds who was a mainstay at starting safety out last year, um, you know, he, he gets a bad off a starting position, but I wouldn't be, you know, knocked off my chair if uh, he was uh, a backup uh, safety once once the season started. But, yeah, Alfred and Simmons, uh, if you had to make a short list of uh, standouts, especially on the defensive side, I'm, I'm definitely putting those two players uh, on, on that list. Uh, Simmons, ironically, like Edmonds last year, showed that uh, – he was able to make a successful transition from the FCS level. Yeah. He came from Austin P uh, to to, um, to the the Power Five level. So I've been very very impressed with him. Examine Alfred has been an absolute stud, and um, I believe in 2021 his best season at USC. Uh, he was voted, I think, uh, co defensive back player of the year for the Trojans or or some kind of award like that. Um, so well, it's the know. only kind of defensive player that USC had at that point. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, somebody who you know, I guess like um, Melquan Stovall, for example, who played three three games last year, and like I said, Alfred didn't play any games. You wonder, like, okay, I mean, the spring practice uh, there for him to really shine, or just to really just to knock off the rust and and to get into like true football shape. But Xavier uh, Alfred has really hit the ground running. And look, I mean, a veteran Pac-12 player. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised uh, to see that, whether you, you did or did not sit out 2022. Well, ASU has had some luck with USC transfer defensive backs in, yeah, the, in the past. Uh, so. I'd, say, I'd say that, yeah. So uh, Xavier Alford, really, really, uh, really, really impressive. Uh, somebody who just professes his love on, on social media, and I don't mean this in a cynical way, of how happy he is to be in Tempe. Um, and maybe just having that mindset from the day, day one arrival to the Valley has this really helped him, uh, you know, elevate his game? Maybe he plays at a higher level than they did in 2021, which is by far his uh, best uh, best season in Los Angeles. So, uh, yeah, Alfred Simmons as a starter, um, you know, Edmonds, and you know, maybe a Montana Warren, uh, you know, as as a backup. Uh, you know, that that's a pretty good two deep that uh, you would happily go to uh, go to war with, and even uh, the uh, three players that I mentioned. Uh, at the uh, at the nickelback uh, position again, uh, I think a really good group. Uh, each players that uh, showed quite a bit in the spring, and then uh, they took a late uh, portal addition, Demetrius Ford um, from the FCS ranks. Um, yeah. I think I, I think right before the spring game, so I don't think he was available for it. But uh, yeah, but another another uh, grad transfer uh, portal guy that yeah. uh, was able to commit before the 15th so if they had to play uh, a a real game tomorrow who do you think mm -hmm. the five starting dbs would be yeah absolutely um i think uh it may be ed woods the starting cornerback opposite uh road torrens mm -hmm. uh at uh, nickelback uh, jordan clark and uh, both safety positions xavier alford and shamari simmons so you think that chris Evans would have his job taken 
It looks like it. I mean, yeah, it, 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 it was rare. I mean, to see I mean that's where I mean, I concluded the same thing and it was kind of crazy because he's the returning, you know, know, he's the returning, you know, clubhouse leader. But like, yeah, I came to the same conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, the, this, this is not a knock on him as, you know, I guess the desire of uh, every coaching staff is uh, you bring in players that are better than the incumbents. And uh, I think uh, in that sense, when it comes to examining Alpha and Shamari Simmons, uh, the, the staff really, really hit the nail on the head. And I'm not saying Chris Edmonds had a bad spring by any means. Mm. It's just that Simmons and Alfred, uh, you know, were definitely studs out there every day in practice. Well, thanks again. You were a stud on this podcast <laughs> talking about ASU Sun Devils. Um, uh, listeners, please go over to devilsdigest.com and also follow Hode at Devil's Digest. Uh, what can I say? It's such a pleasure talking to you every year. Gets me excited to not just watch packed, uh, the Ducks, but actually keep an eye on ASU, too. Yeah, th- thanks so much for having me, guys. Absolutely. And Hithliday, um, I'm sure you got a lot to work looking uh, a yeah, lot I of know. work I to got, do <laughs> i gotta switch over to twitter and check for all the asu uh, transfer action that happened during the last hour when we were on this podcast <laughs> absolutely all right y'all well uh we'll see y'all next week quack quack and um i don't know whatever a sun devil says i never really thought about it roar or something yeah see y'all next week